0: Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Kathy Hackle, and we're going to explore virtual worlds and the metaverse and what it all means for business. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show. We've got some great content coming your way. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Kathy Hackle. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Kathy Hackle. If you don't know who she is, she's a metaverse growth strategist and the host of the Metaverse Marketing Podcast, which is a great list, and I strongly recommend it. She's also the author of the brand new book, Navigating the Metaverse, Kathy, welcome for the first time to this show, but this is at least like the second time I think you've been on my podcast in the last couple months. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Mike. I'm so excited to be here on Crypto Business.
0: Well, today, Kathy and I are going to explore virtual worlds, the metaverse, and what it all means for business. Folks, I had Kathy on at the very end of 2021, episode 491 of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. So if you want to hear a lot more about like the backstory of Metaverse and some of the business use cases, go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash 491. But for those that are not familiar with you, Kathy, tell us a little bit about how you got into the Metaverse and tell us about your brand new book and all the great stuff you've got going on.
1: So Mike, you and I met a long time ago when I was in live video (laughs) and that was before my Metaverse days. But yeah, I've been in Metaverse related industries for eight years now and it's been quite a wild ride. I've worked in VR with HTC Vive, which creates VR headsets. I worked with Magic Leap as well, which does spatial computing glasses or augmented reality glasses. And when I was there, our chief futurist was Neil Stevenson, who coined the term Metaverse, then went on to Amazon Web Services, worked on many things, including large-scale gaming simulations, eventually launched off on my own and launched the Futures Intelligence Group, which is a Metaverse consultancy that got acquired by a company called Journey at the end of last year, so just in 10 months. Uh, which is, you know, just as an entrepreneur, that was a huge thing.
0: What does this company do that acquired you? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Journey is a new innovation and design consultancy for the customer journeys of the future, but today. So we've got, I oversee the Metaverse studio. I'm the chief Metaverse officer. So oversee Metaverse studio, which does everything from Metaverse, Web3, NFTs, and strategy to virtual worlds. We're building in absolutely every platform you can imagine, both centralized and decentralized. And then we also have a voice studio and then a physical architecture and design firm called iCrave. It's been really exciting. We we kind of have all the different components of what's going to make our future realities.
0: It's almost like in the world of construction, you would almost be like a general contractor that could build the next like shopping mall or something like that, but in the virtual world almost, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we could build in the physical world, but also in the virtual world, which is you know, not a lot of companies have that, those capabilities and we can activate voice in every place. So yeah, it's really exciting. Tell us about
0: the book that just came out and kind of what it's all about and who it's for.
1: Yeah. So the book's called Navigating the Metaverse, Your Guide to Limitless Possibilities in a Web3 World. I co-authored it with Dirk Luth from Upland and also Tommaso Bartolo, who teaches at UC Berkeley, and he's part of the blockchain faculty there. This book really is for anyone who's interested in understanding Web3 and also the Metaverse. It has a lot of frameworks and concepts and ideas. So it's for any business professional, even folks that are really deep into, you know, deep in the crypto space can learn something from it. So, yeah, it's a very useful book. We we call it get your aha moment of going like, oh, aha I get it. Like, I understand Metaverse. I understand Web3 and and the connectivity between the two. So uh, it's been really well received. And it was a bestseller in several categories on Amazon. And I'm really excited. You know, I'm I'm already working on my next one. Wow. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Mm -hmm. My next one's coming out in January, which is crazy. But, you know, it's full steam ahead. Full steam ahead when it comes to this.
0: Well, folks, Kathy has been, she was actually one of our keynotes at Social Media Marketing World as well. I should have mentioned that. She spoke on the Metaverse in March of 2022, the year that we're recording this. And really, you're one of the high demand people that everybody wants to talk to about the metaverse. And I'm just so excited that you're in a lane that's exciting and everybody's fascinated by it. And that's why I wanted to get you back on one of my other shows. So, Kathy, there's a lot of people right now that are listening that are the listener to this show. They're definitely into NFTs. They're definitely curious about the metaverse. But they might work for a company where they're dealing with skepticism about the metaverse, or they might personally be skeptical about it seems so far away. You know what I mean? Like NFTs seem to be here today, but the metaverse seems to be so far away. So what do you want to say to the business people that are listening to this show about why they ought to pay attention to the metaverse and virtual worlds?
1: Yeah, well, especially I think NFTs and blockchain are part of the metaverse. I think that that's a really important part. This is what I'll tell people is let's take a step back and I know there's really a lot of hype around metaverse, but the metaverse is not just virtual worlds and it's not just virtual reality or augmented reality. The metaverse is enabled by many different technologies. Really what we're talking about here is the successor state to today's mobile internet. It is a convergence of physical and and virtual. It's also going to impact the physical world because the physical world is part of the metaverse of that successor state of today's mobile internet. Right. So all of us live in a physical world still. We're still physical beings. So it's going to impact everyone. So. Let's get away from the hype, right? And thinking that it's only VR or it's only Facebook or Meta or whatever they call now. And think about it really, the successor state to today's mobile internet, how does that impact you, right? And even though the metaverse as that greater vision is not here yet, it's being built, there are things that are happening right now, right? With a lot of the enabling technologies, and that's where, you know, AR and VR and enabling technology, spatial computing is an enabled technology. Blockchain and NFTs are part of that future, edge computing. I mean, many different technologies are enabling technology. So why should you care? Because if the internet in version one and two impacted your business, it's going to get impacted again as we head into into the future.
0: Okay. So you said a couple of times the successor to the mobile internet. So I would love you to unpack that a little bit because I'm curious what that means to you.
1: The successor state today's mobile internet. So your audience knows this. So web one connected information that gave us the internet, Changed a lot of things, Web2 connected people, and that gave us social media, right? But it also gave us the sharing economy and e-commerce. And now we're at this evolution again into going into Web3, which connects people, places, and things, or people, spaces, and assets. And these can be in virtual environments, but they will also be in the physical world, right? So as you start to think about this Web3 and kind of this evolution of where we're going, you start to think about the metaverse and enabling a successor state to today's mobile internet. So, you know, that is about convergence of physical and digital. It's To me, it's about virtual shared experiences that happen both in virtual spaces, but will also happen in the physical world. I think the important part here to understand is that Web3 and Metaverse are not the same thing, right? They're intrinsically linked, but they're not interchangeable. So what I mean by that is when I refer to Web3 personally, I am talking about how people, spaces, and assets are going to be connected in the future of the Internet. When I talk about Metaverse, it's more about how I will experience that future state of the internet, right? It's a little difference in nuance, but they're interconnected, right? Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's still, you know, I don't use them interchangeably.
0: I like that. So really the key word here is experience, right? So I think what I'm hearing you say is that people, spaces, and assets is kind of this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but people, spaces, and assets seems to be like what Web3, the umbrella, is over with. And then the metaverse is the way that we experience these people, spaces, and assets. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like one has to do with how we connect these things, how these things are interconnected in that future. The other one has to do with more how I engage with them, like how I experience them, how I find them, how, where do I go to experience, like a lot of these things. Think about experience and connectivity in a different way, right? And there is a big question. There is a big question that arises and I've been asked a lot of times is like, well, do we need Web3 for the metaverse? No, I mean, you don't necessarily need Web3 for the metaverse, but if we want a better successor state to today's mobile internet, which is open and decentralized, then you absolutely need Web3, right? So it's really gonna depend like which version or which vision wins, right? But if we want a better internet, if we want an open and decentralized future, We absolutely need Web3 to connect those people, places, and things.
0: In your opinion, putting your futurist cap on, how far out do you think we are before from a consumer perspective, we begin to see like mainstream adoption of consumers experiencing these people, spaces, and assets? You're talking about decades, years, or what are we talking about? months.
1: I think it's going to depend on which part of it we're talking about. If we're talking about hardware.
0: I mean, like just mainstream adoption in my mind, like everyone's talking about this experience that talking
1: are doing. Cause that's the yeah, thing. I don't Everyone know. Everyone can talk about it. They're talking about it now.
0: I know. It's just a question. I think a lot of us have on our minds. Like how far away is this thing? You know,
1: I think that the we're. this is how I say it in the next, these next 10 years, We're building towards that greater vision of the metaverse, right? We're laying down the rails. We're laying down the content. We're laying down the hardware. Like that's all being created in the next 10 years. Does it mean it's going to take 10 years? No one really knows. What if something really amazing happens and we move faster in five years? What if Apple comes to market next year with something amazing? Yeah, right. you're right. So the next 10 years, the next decade is a decade for building. Will it speed up or slow down? Many things can happen, right? So that's what I'll tell you, Mike. I don't want to put a time and stamp and date because I don't believe that anyone can.
0: Yeah, I like that. But you're right, because look at how fast the world changed when Apple introduced the iPhone, right? I mean, things can change very, very rapidly when technology and software, somehow hardware and software, whatever, meet some sort of inflection point And then all of a sudden it's affordable and a lot of people jump into it, if you will.
1: Or let alone another pandemic. Like that's just going to keep accelerating stuff. That's
0: true. The pandemic forced a lot of technological innovation. So let's talk about NFTs. So I see a lot of NFT projects that are selling what I'm going to call virtual land. We've got the Bored Ape Yacht Club with their other deeds for other side. I think it's called other side. We've got the walk. AMC has the walking dead land deeds, which I happen to have some of these. They don't technically do anything today but are these nft projects that are selling virtual land is this the metaverse what is this exactly talk to me about this because I don't know I think people are buying into this land because they think they're buying into the metaverse what is this exactly
1: well I think I think it is part of it right is every single one of these projects going to be successful and survive you know from a from a land perspective remains to be seen right there might be a lot of people that are selling virtual land that might go under uh right I personally like I've invested in a few ones like you know the sandbox and the central land, insomnium space, or like I have another deeds, you know, like there's certain places that I've put, you know, I've bought land making a bet, right? I'm making a bet on a horse that that horse is going to be, you know, around for a long time and that it's going to be valuable. The way I embrace this is not so much per project, but it's thinking of like, okay, if owning virtual assets in that future is something important, something of value, something that can generate revenue for me. Then I'm going to potentially buy that. And this is the analogy I give people. It's like in the Web two era, what could you own? You couldn't really own your handles because no, you know, you, don't, you didn't own your Twitter handle, your Facebook handle, like Facebook page. No, you didn't own that, and they could be taken away any day. So, what could you own? You could go and own a domain. You could buy a domain. Right. You could buy you could own that. You could own somebody could could have bought Pepsi.com. Someone could have bought, you know, obviously Pepsi bought it. But we
0: should clarify you don't own it, you technically lease it, right? Because at a certain point you have to renew your lease, right? But but it is fascinating, right? Even if we think about these domains, we're we're on lease, right? From some other place. But anyways, keep going. I like that.
1: But there was a value, right? There's value in having Pepsi.com and not pepsitodaytomorrow.com, right? The, the values are different, are assigned different. There's an infinite number of domains I could potentially buy. There's only one nhl.com, right? So if you start to play that analogy to Web3 and to some of these virtual lands, and you start to think about, well, where is the place that people are going to engage with my brand in the future beyond my website, beyond my social media? It might be in your virtual experiences and in your virtual worlds, right? So if you start with that premise, you're like, well, it might behoove a brand to own land, because that place potentially become where they engage with, you know, with audiences. It doesn't mean that everything they're going to buy right now, it's going to retain their value and it's going to be that next iteration. Right. But there are bets that are being made. So, so that I, th- I think, you know, is everything going to be successful and worth a lot in the future? I don't know. Right. But I am willing to think about a future where we go beyond websites and beyond social media and where are we going to be engaging with folks? It'll probably be in virtual experiences and an augmented reality. Right. So, So, yeah, that's one of the reasons I have around that.
0: Let's talk about other side for a second. I just read an article today that the company that's developing other side is going to do a test here in the next couple of days where they're going to they're testing what they call the game. So I think I think we should probably clarify that in the case of the Board Ape Yacht Club, it seems like it's a game. And the same thing with maybe what The Walking Dead is doing. Should we talk about from a business perspective, whether or not this is a play for businesses to own land in these games, or maybe what we're going to talk about next makes more sense, uh, owning land that you can develop on. I mean, what's your thoughts on games versus like open development ecosystems, if you will?
1: Well, I think it depends on what your where your audience is, right? If your audience are NFT holders that are board ape holders and, and mutant ape holders, then yeah, you probably want to have some land there because it's of interest to you. Right. And that being said, you know, I think my company applied to be one of the developers that could start to work in the other side. We, I never heard back from them, to be honest, but I, I'm really interested to getting in there and getting the tools so we can build and see what is in there. Like, how do we build? Yeah, you can, you can apply to be a developer.
0: Okay. Oh, that's important to know then. So, okay, well then there is some business applications I would imagine because I think there's a massive amount of plots of land isn't there like 50,000 or something like that on the on the uh, Bordeaux Yacht Club. So so there is possible business application to buy some other side land and potentially hire a development company to develop an experience inside of this like help people understand how that could play out and what something like that could look like in this particular case.
1: Just like you do when you buy a regular piece of land, right? And you build a house. Same thing. It just happens in a virtual space, right? And the costs are different. So you hire a third-party developer, a company like Journey, for example, to build that for you, right? Because most people do not have the skills to build this, right? So yeah, there is that. And then when you have that, you can do whatever you want with it, whether it's, you know, interacting with the players inside the game, selling something if you want to sell something, creating brand awareness by having a pop-up, renting it out. I know plenty of people that buy land in Decentraland, for example, and lease it out to brands or lease it out to other people there's so many things you can do that are kind of parallel to what you can do with, with physical real estate. So, so yeah, there are business applications, you know, the question here is does everyone need to go out and do this? I don't know if everyone should right? and with the current market conditions, but you know, if you are a brand that knows that part of your audience is going to be in those spaces, then potentially you should be looking at, you know, what, where might be the best world for you to build something, right? Does everyone have to build inside the other side? No, I don't think everyone needs to be in there. Right. So it, it's going to really depend. But, yeah, there are business applications to these things. And then the big thing here, Mike, the bigger macro vision here. And I've got I've an article in, in Forbes that's that's going to be about this is related to what I call metaverse commerce. Right. And I don't want to make metaverse only about business and commerce. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about those models is physical to physical commerce. We all know how to do that. If we go to Target or Walmart. We all know how to do that perfectly. Right. You've got digital physical, which is e-commerce. And then you've got virtual to virtual commerce, which has been happening in gaming spaces for decades. It's just really sexy right now. But $100 billion were spent last year in virtual goods inside gaming platforms. That This is not nft by the way. The number, the $100 billion is not nft which, you know, if we add NFTs, it'll be a lot bigger. Then you've got two models that are arising, which are the virtual to physical commerce model and then the physical to virtual commerce model, right? These have not been done at scale right? And this is where I think there's going to be an amazing opportunity, right? you Just like e-commerce was a huge opportunity and continues to be, I think virtual to physical and physical to virtual are going to be massive opportunities, right? So I'm architecting those right now, working on all the types of different maps related to customer journeys and working with giant companies to activate these opportunities at scale.
0: I want to talk about that. I'm going to put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that after my next question. I want you mentioned Sandbox and Decentraland. I want to talk a little bit about these particular platforms, Sandbox and Decentraland because and you mentioned a few others. They seem to be different from the other ones we were talking about which seems to be game focused where these ones seem to be more like almost like buying land in the middle of nowhere and you can do whatever you want with it. Right. So talk a little bit about what sandbox is like, let's talk about that and maybe your experience, what kind of brands are embracing that. And then the same thing with Decentraland because these seem to be the ones that are, I don't know, maybe they've been around the longest or whatever, but what are your thoughts on these particular ones? And if you want to throw a couple others in there, feel free.
1: Well, I do think the, the sandbox in essence is a game, right? It is gamified. It is done by seasons. So it is very much like that in that space about gaming, right? So it's not open all the time. It's open by Seasons. You buy land, you can build on it, etc. You've got, you know, Snoop Dogg and the Smurfs and all these different brands kind of coming in and building stuff in the Sandbox. So I think the Sandbox is more on that, you know, gamified version.
0: Now, wait, wait, when you say Seasons, do you mean there's a company called Seasons or do you mean like it's open and closed?
1: No, no, it's open by Seasons. So the Sandbox is open by season. Oh,
0: what you mean like times of the year?
1: Like the gameplay in the sandbox is open by season.
0: Okay. Explain what that means. So
1: I believe they open up again in July.
0: Oh, so you can only play it for a couple of months out of the year and then it shuts down. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, no, I think you can always go to your parcel of land and do stuff. I see. But like the gameplay is by seasons. So just like every game has updates, right? I think that they just call them seasons, but that's kind of different. Different than Decentraland. Whereas in Decentraland is I buy something, I do something in my land. I, you know, there might be an event. There's tons of events happening It's very social. Sandbox is too, but I think Sandbox has more of that gamified element, whereas Decentraland, I see it more like a social space.
0: So let's talk about like, how do we experience either one of these? Like if we wanted to go like, and we don't own any land, is there a way we can experience something in Decentraland and or Sandbox? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go to Decentraland. You can definitely, I'll give you an example. I, I don't want to necessarily do both examples, but let's do the Decentraland example. So uh, for example, Metaverse Fashion Week, I was the chair for Metaverse Fashion Week. So basically there's coordinates like that. I can tell, you know, you can go to these coordinates. Anyone can log into it. If they have a PC, they have to cr- connect their crypto wallet, right? Their MetaMask or whatever. There are ways to play without it, but I've never done it myself because I have a, a MetaMask. So I don't know what the customer journey is. If you don't have one, I guess there's like a guest login or something. But basically, yeah, you have coordinates. You can find that in the map. You can go to like, in this case, I was at the 3DM Plaza where a lot of the stuff I was doing Uh, was happening. And then, you know, you could also, you know, give people a link and they would go in and they would watch it on their PCs. So yeah, there's definitely ways to experience it without necessarily having to own anything, right? Not everyone that's in the central land owns a piece of land.
0: When you say PCs, that typically means Windows. Does that mean it's not a Mac thing? Or do you mean any kind of computer can log in? No,
1: I used it. I did it on my Mac. Okay. But it's not, I'm not referring to like, like, this is really important. You do not need like a gaming PC with a really high graphics card to go into the Central Land. Like it doesn't have those. It looks better. It looks better if you have a wonderful graphics card, but it's not necessary.
0: Now, what do these experiences look like? Are they similar across both of these? They're kind of a little bit Roblox-esque almost, aren't aren't they as far as the blocky look and feel?
1: Yeah, so the Central Land has more of a Web 2.5 feel (laughs) to it. It's not so 3D. And then, you know, with uh, Sandbox, the Sandbox look is actually voxels. Right? It's voxel, like they're voxel looks.
0: What is that? Yeah, for people that don't know what that means. What's a voxel? Like look? cubes, like oh. you know, yeah,
1: let's just yeah. use a cube, like, like my min- Minecraft thing. kind of looking, right? Kind of, kind of. They're they're called voxels, but yeah, like let's use you know, cubes for lack of a better term right now. But but yeah, it's boxier, boxier voxeler, they're different looks, and I think that the important part here, and what a lot of people ask is like, Well, can I build something in Roblox and then port it into, into sandbox or Decentraland? Not in this current state. That is an interoperability question that hasn't been solved. If anyone can actually put that, do that, like generate an asset that can be put in all these places, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know you're doing that because that's it's a huge business opportunity.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about like I would imagine if you're thinking about building in the metaverse, you got to be careful about where you build, right? Because you're you're not going to be able to port it, like you said, right? What are some things we need to be thinking about if we were to Decide we want to go in on this one or that one. I mean, there's certain basic questions we ought to be asking ourselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, what is your audience? If your audience is more on the younger side, then yeah, definitely build inside Roblox. If they're a little bit older, create Fortnite Creative is a great place to build. If you're an alcoholic brand or something like that, you know, you probably want to build in Decentraland where the audience is going to be a little bit older and you can put something like you can age gate it. It's just a little form that says, you know, when you were born. Anyone can write whatever, but that's something that, you know, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend an alcoholic brand going into Roblox, for example, like that is just, that's not the right place. So yeah, I think it it depends on who you are as a company, where your customers are or where your future customers are, depending on what it is that you sell. And then, yeah, I mean, figure, figuring that out. What I think you're going to see more of Mike is some brands moving away from activations, temporary activations, pop-ups and say in Roblox for net creative or wherever, and more of permanent presence like a persistent presence. And you see that with Gucci already, right? Gucci did Gucci Garden and Roblox. It did tons of stuff with NFTs, of course. And now they just opened Gucci Town and Roblox, which is more of a permanent presence. So I think you're going to start to see that. You're going to start to see some brands that are really into it, moving away from one-off activations to thinking more long-term. And I think that's what Gucci's done with a lot of their projects, especially NFTs. They understand these are locked, long-term commitments.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, I want to talk about NFTs um, and how they work in these worlds. My audience is pretty familiar with NFTs. We've covered it pretty extensively. But, you know, how do NFTs kind of work into the metaverse? Do they? some of them pour into it? Do you have to buy them inside of the metaverses? I mean, talk to me a little bit about that because that gets a little confusing sometimes.
1: Well, NFTs can be anything, right, in these virtual spaces, right, in, in the decentralized platforms, right? So the centralized platforms, if I'm in Roblox or if I'm in Fortnite Creative, there's no, you know, you can own virtual assets, but it's you can don't really own them. Those are not NFTs. But if you're in the decentralized spaces, the land I'm buying is an NFT. The dress I'm wearing is an NFT. So yeah, the, the NFTs take many different forms, right? And at the end of the day, for me, when I talk about NFTs and what why they are important to the future of the metaverse is because to me, it's about digital ownership of digital assets. The concept of ownership, right, is still debated. Like debate, can you really own an NFT? There's all sorts of schools of thought there, right? But I do think that there is something there in the underlying smart contract, right? That you know that that is pretty powerful. So I'm, I'm. That's why I say blockchain and NFTs are part of the future of the metaverse. That's what I mean, right? It's about ownership of digital assets. But yeah, I mean, you can buy land. So I'll give you an example. So I bought land in the Central Land. When I buy that land, I, what I'm actually buying is an NFT right? A one-by-one one NFT.
0: How big is one-by-one one once you immerse yourself?
1: Little. It's like a, let's say like a townhouse.
0: Oh, it's, it's literally just, okay, got it. So you can build a little like.
1: Yeah. You, and you can build up. You can't build to the sides because I it's, see it's a one-by-one. One. Okay. You can build up. And I can't remember the limit. There's a certain limit of much, how much you can build up. See, I know this because we're builders. Like <laughs> we're developers and builders, right? We buy these things, we, we develop them and do all these, you know, all these things. So I there's there's a certain amount of, of of height you can build into your NFT. It, it's not infinite, right? Yeah, and you can build up. Like for example, our journey offices that we built in in Decentraland have I think it's three levels. Um, but yeah, you know it's you buy the NFT and then you build something on top of that NFT. Or you can rent it out, or you can lease it, whatever you want to do with it. But it's the NFT.
0: Right. So the land itself is an NFT, which you can buy and trade and all that fun stuff, just like all the other NFTs. But I would imagine you could also sell NFTs inside of the virtual buildings on your land. Like, talk to me about that a little bit. How would that work?
1: Like virtual fashion. And it depends per platform what you are able to do in market or not, right? Everyone's going to be different. But yeah, you could potentially have a shop in there and sell NFTs and dresses or whatever it is that you're selling, right? That's where I think it starts to get interesting when these are enabled at scale, right? When there's a virtual, let's say I'm in, you know, let's say I'm in Metaverse Fashion Week and of up some, one of these platforms and I see a design that I really like and eventually I can order it and it arrives in my house. There's a few ways to do that right now, but it's really hard. Like Boson Protocol has enabled a protocol that allows you to do that, but it's usually very small. Like not, it hasn't been done at scale right? Which I think is where I think the bigger opportunity lies in that sense from a commerce perspective.
0: Let's talk about POAP's proof of attendance protocol. Let's say you're doing an event inside of the metaverse and you want to give everybody a free po app is that something you could potentially do or how would that work exactly
1: yeah so i don't have that much experience with pops i've done it a few like i did it back in november of last year for a conference and they said hey guys i've got an nft if anyone wants to pull up it's
0: usually a barcode
1: yeah yeah no one the funny thing is like no one at that conference i think it was really early no one took me up on it no one which i was like well it was november of last year granted right <laughs> You know, nowadays I think more people reach out like, oh, I want my POAP." But I would
0: imagine, couldn't you just airdrop everybody? I mean, like, let's think creatively here. If they're going into your space they're connecting your wallet somehow to get in there. I don't know how this works exactly, but is there, do you think in the future there's going to be a way to know everybody who came through your virtual, quote unquote, store in the metaverse and you'll be able, if you had an event in there, you just maybe would know all their wallet IDs and you could just airdrop them like a Poap?
1: If there's a way for you to collect that data, yes, but then currently I don't believe that there's a way for you to know everyone that stepped in. You can look at the players, right? Maybe the names and you might be able to find their wallets.
0: That'll be interesting. Maybe in the future, there'll be a way when you come through the door to get in, you got to scan your wallet or something, right? To get into your virtual space, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that that is happening, but like, let's say if I'm in a a virtual space, I'm not sure right now how you get access to everyone's wallet, unless they have something, you know, you need that wallet to drop, drop stuff. So that being said, I will say the wallet is incredibly important because it lets you know who likes what, right? So it's almost like, this is the analogy someone used and I loved it. It was like, it's like having someone's home address. Back in the day when regular marketing was flyers, like you would send people something, right? Or you would send them, you know, a gift or whatever. Like it was very powerful. Right now, like if you have my wallet, you can airdrop me something. It might be something I don't want, or it might be something that is really amazing that I had no idea I really wanted.
0: It's almost like the garage is open and you can see what they're into by looking into their garage, right? Because you can say, oh, Kathy's got a mutant ape and she's got uh, a couple of these. Oh, maybe she'd be interested in this thing over here, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like. You'd be like, oh, she's into Teslas and into mountain biking, which I'm not. But, you know, like or surfboard, like you would look into it and be like, oh, that's what she's into, <laughs> which I'm not. But yeah, um, but definitely it's a, it's a way to peek into this. Right. And I think wallets and co-ops are going to become increasingly important. Right. As we head into these spaces, because you're going to be able to know, like this person's a clone X and a mutant ape, but they're also a part of one of the DAOs. Right. And like you're going to be able to make these psychographic uh, models of who people are, right?
0: You mentioned earlier, we talked about Decentraland and Sandbox. You threw out a couple other you know, decentralized virtual spaces or whatever. If we want to explore decentralized and Sandbox, I think you mentioned a couple others. What other ones are, are on the top of your mind if people want to look into them for building?
1: Yeah, I think Somnium Space. Somnium Space is really interesting as well from a decentralized standpoint. And you can actually... Access them in VR.
0: How do you spell that, by the way? Just
1: Somnium, like sleep. Somnium space.
0: S-O-M-N-I-U-M or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Somnium
0: space. Okay. What And what is unique about that one? Just out of curiosity?
1: You can actually access it in virtual reality. You can access it in your browser, but you can also access it in VR, which I think is, you know, really, really cool. I own land in, in Somnium space. I I find that in their founder, I think is really interesting. So they're, they're a, smaller, a smaller one, but they're you know, catching steam.
0: You mentioned Upland. You said you co-authored your book with the founder of that. Talk about that one. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, I actually worked with them for, for a short bid with Upland. So Upland's actually an iOS app and it uses the EOS blockchain.
0: Is that EOS?
1: EOS, yeah. And you can own land. That is more like they have different cities that have opened through time. So there's like San Francisco, New York, Brooklyn, Santa Clara. Like it depends on the cities that they've opened and you can own, you know, pieces of land there with specific addresses, which is really funny. So, like, you, someone can own the LinkedIn campus, like, you know, like, there's things like that you can buy. So, very fascinating.
0: Is that an augmented reality thing, or is that something totally different?
1: No, that one's just in an app right now. Uh, Super World, which is another one, does AR, but um, okay, but yeah, I know. Yeah, I'll tell you one that I'm really fascinated by that hasn't hit the market, and this is not financial advice <laughs> for anyone. But I think Star Atlas, which is a game, it's an interstellar game. that use Unreal Engine.
0: I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, the, the graphics are beautiful. I think that they've been very quiet because they're building and I'm excited about what they're building. And I'm really curious to see whenever they come to market, what that's going to look like.
0: You think that'll be a, a new opportunity for land? Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be land. It's going to be, it's also a game, but it's interstellar, you know, like virtual world. So yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited about that one.
0: What's your thoughts on, I mean, most of these I would imagine are owned by some sort of an entity, are they truly decentralized or are they tend to be more 2.5 with a lot of these, you know, how like OpenSea is arguably not really decentralized. Like, which do you think there's going to be like open standards eventually that won't have these kinds of companies at the base of them? What are your thoughts on all this?
1: Yeah, I think that potentially there are going to be standards, open standards, potentially, right? I think the most decentralized of all the ones I know is Decentraland. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like when you build, and this is, this is once again, I know this because we build there, when you build something, it has to get approved by the DAO. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, it
1: has to be approved by the community. So it's not just one company that's uh, like, it's not, and everything normally gets approved, like granted, but, but it's almost like, you know, the little decentralized in that sense. So very cool. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. The DAO is the one that the community has to vote and make sure that they like it. It's not one person President about and saying approved. It's more like the community has to approve it.
0: Do you know if the DAOs happen to be the landowners, or is there some other token that people own to belong to the Decentraland DAO?
1: I don't know. We would have to ask. So Decentraland actually doesn't even run as Decentraland. They run as the Decentraland Foundation, ah. and the foundation is, you know, they don't like, and they'll tell you the first one. We don't own Decentraland. We're the foundation that, and there's a DAO, right? So I'm, it might be interesting for you to have Doctor, what's her name? Gosh, her name escapes me. Um, but she helps run the Decentraland foundation and she can explain that further on how the DAO works. So
0: very cool. Okay. So you talked about commerce a little bit earlier. You talked about virtual to physical and physical to virtual. So let's, we teased at that. And I said, I was going to come back to it. I want to come back to it now. So give some examples of virtual to physical, and then some examples of physical to virtual just so people can wrap their head around that.
1: Yeah. So early parts of like virtual to physical, During Metaverse Fashion Week, you had Boson Plaza from Boson Protocol, and you could go there. There was like a virtual fashion house called Ouroboros, and these are all names that are really complicated, so I apologize. That's okay. But Ouroboros, you could buy like a, I remember it was like a necklace, a beautiful virtual necklace. It was was a snake. I can't remember it was a snake, but it was something very beautiful. You could buy it in ETH as the NFT that you could wear on your avatar, but then it would get delivered to your house, right? So there were ways to do that where you would buy a virtual item that your avatar could wear, but then it would get delivered to your house. It takes a long time right now. Like it's not something that happens immediately. It's not Amazon, right? It's not like you buy it and then it immediately shows up.
0: Well, I want to ask you about this, knowing you may not know all the details, but I would imagine this would have to be a trait on the NFT that gets checked or whatever, right? Because, you know, the challenge I would think, because NFTs are transferable, if I buy it and I sell it to you, you want to know whether I've already received that chain or not, right? So- that gets a little complicated. These are typically traits that they turn on and off at the trait level, probably on the NFT, you think?
1: Yeah. Or you are right. Depending on what you're doing, it could be written as unlockable content. So the first wallet to connect to X and redeems it can get it. Ah, Like if you connect later on, you just can't because it's like, you know, it's already been redeemed. Got it. So it really depends on how the smart contract is written. And, and you know, and I'm not sure the inner workings of the of Boson protocol uh, in that sense, but yeah, th- there was this opportunity to do that, right?
0: Well, I wanted to ask about unlockable content. So I've seen this before with NFTs and I don't know what that means because we've never talked about that. So what is that exactly?
1: It's written into the smart contract. So I'm not sure, Mike, if you ever opened up a smart contract in front of you. It was like one of the workshops that we do with our clients. One of the best ones, and it's been such a hit to be honest, is a smart contract workshop. Really? Where I have like my, yeah, well, I have my blockchain developer team open up a smart contract and we walk our clients through all All the lines of code. It's like 300. It's a simple contract. Like we're not opening a complicated one. But we walk them through all the lines of code and explain like this is where you write in, you know, if something, if you can burn an NFT, this is where you can write in uh, like different things, unlockable content. Like we go through all the lines of code and explain like what they are for a basic contract. Right. And it's been an aha moment, I think, both from. For a lot of the teams, especially the legal team at that point to take a step back, like, oh my goodness, this is beyond our capability, right? It's not a smart contract. It's really code. So yeah. So I think, you know, understanding that further, I think is important.
0: So unlockable content just means I would imagine that you could use this NFT to essentially access something once or something like that. Is that the idea or access?
1: Once or twice, or it really depends on what it is, what the value depending is. Depending
0: on how the smart contract is written. Okay, Yeah. Cool.
1: yeah depending on how it's written.
0: Okay. So, so you were given the example of virtual to physical. Did you have another example you wanted to go virtual or physical before we go physical to virtual? I'm just because I know I had
1: no, a- no, I mean, just imagine you're inside, you know, hypothetically, one of your favorite games and you're in there and all of a sudden you see this wonderful shirt that one of the avatars is wearing and you want your avatar to wear it, but you also want it yourself in person. You know, imagine if you can actually buy it for your avatar, but also have it delivered in your house, right? Or have it delivered to your closest store or whatever it is, right? That's starting to think about that. And then if you think about physical to virtual, what if you're at Coachella, you're having this amazing experience. And then you do something that unlocks something for your avatar, or your virtual home, or what have you, right? So POUPS are a little bit of that, but not, not 100% there. Some example is like LOL Dolls had done these trading cards that had a QR code that unlocked an NFT. So you had to buy the physical collectible cards. There were only a few of those in select retailers. And you could buy the pack of cards and then scan the QR code that would access, you know, would give you access to this NFT.
0: You know, Gary Vaynerchuk did this with V Friends with his, I forget what it's called, some sort of gaming thing. You know, he did when he sold all his books. Book games. Yeah, the book games. And I think there was a card game and it might've been VFriends too. I can't remember if there was some sort of physical card game. You only got access to it if you minted the original whatever. So that's kind of what you're talking about, right? That Going from virtual to physical. Yeah,
1: something like that. So I bought the NFT without thinking that that was going to be a benefit. I think it's when it's more intent. Right? Wow. That was a benefit that was given to me because I like I am an actual V friends holder from V1. Got it. So like I actually I just got an email like a couple of days ago about the cards. Uh, I didn't read it, but I know I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so but that's more like an added bonus of what I'm given because I'm a, like a V friends holder. I think what I'm talking about is more of an intent to buy. I see. Right? An intent to purchase something, to engage in commerce, right? Because yeah. Like, I think it's different. I think it's different if I say, Hey, you're a, you know, you're a view friends holder. You can buy this.
0: It almost feels like an alternative to Kickstarter, right? Like you could buy an NFT of a virtual item and that money could potentially go to make that item. Right. And then you could potentially physically get that item once it's built, which is kind of what Kickstarter is. It feels like an alternative to it almost. Right.
1: Well, yeah, I think a lot of people are using NFTs or at least we're using NFTs as a way to raise funds for a project. Like they put forth They would put forth a roadmap that hasn't been realized, but they needed to, you know, they are going to use the money to try to make the roadmap happen, (laughs) you know, in, in the best of cases.
0: So let's talk a little bit about building in a virtual world. Multiple times you said that the company that acquired your business builds in the virtual world. What do we need to know if we're thinking about building in the virtual world? My guess is some people that are listening right now are potentially about to embark in something like this and I have no idea where to start, what are some considerations we need to be having in the back of our mind if we're thinking about building, in, for example, Decentraland?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're building the central land, it's understanding what plot of land you want, what plot of land you have, how much can you build, what do you want to build, right? Is it an office? Is it a party house? Is it a penthouse? Like, you know, trying to think about what you want to build and then working with someone that can build it for you, whether they're an endemic platform creator or whether they're a studio-like journey. Like, it really depends on what your needs are. I will say this, and I think this is a really important piece of advice. If you are a brand and you're listening to this and you decide you want to build in Decentraland or Sandbox or Roblox or Fortnite Creative or wherever it is, especially if it's a game, if it's a gaming platform, you have to build with the player in mind. And I'll say this again. You build with the player in mind. It has to be fun, right? Especially if you're going into the gaming platforms. This is not brand driven. It's not you build it and they will come. You have to build it with the gaming aspect in mind, with the player in mind. And that's one of the things like my, so the virtual world building part of the Metaverse studio that we have is led by people that have been gaming for a long time and understand gaming and game mechanics and how it works. Because the worst thing you can do is put put someone there that doesn't understand that this is not brand driven. Yes, about representing your brand, but it has to be fun. It has to be about the player right? Just because you think you're going to build something and some kid is going to want to come and play it. No, it's got to be fun. There's got to be a reason for the players to want to go there and have fun and come back again. So yeah, I think that that's a big piece of advice.
0: Well, you also kind of hinted that this is not just a one and done kind of thing. It's not like just building, just like in social, you couldn't just build a page on Facebook back in the early days and, and just call it done. You had to hire community managers, right? So I would imagine there's a component of maintenance or human people that are gonna to have to man quote unquote this space right I mean is yeah, that some live like- ops
1: we call it live ops but yeah there's a part of like every time the game has an update like there's a lot of things that could go wrong you might need to update your you know you might have to do another season internally like there's many things that we, what we call live ops so like we in essence that part of our business operates like a gaming studio
0: if somebody wants to do this like there might be some creatives listening right now are these platforms good enough that somebody could try to build it themselves if they understand like for example how to create universes inside of Roblox and stuff like that? Do you feel like that, that there's opportunities, business opportunities for creatives, if you will, to build inside of these worlds? Tell me about that. Already
1: are. Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent, whether it's virtual fashion,
0: do you have to be a coder or it
1: depends on where you're building. <laughs> that depends on where you're building, what you're building, right? If, sometimes you need to know unity and unreal, but you know, like I'll give you an example. My 10 year old is a Roblox developer. Like he builds experiences and he gets an email from Roblox every month about his experience. And he made us X amount of dollars. Not a huge amount, but more than I was making when I was 10. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, you already have, you know, folks building on these platforms and, and making money from their experiences as builders. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Fortnite Creative, um, you know, Roblox Studio, whatever it is. If you know Unity and Unreal, I think are huge, huge. And those are the game engines that used use to build a lot of these things. Having those skills, I think, is is very, very fruitful. Yeah, and if any, anyone's listening to this and they're just geeks and they want to go in and build, try it. It's really fun.
0: Is there a place people can go to learn this kind of stuff? I mean, like, are there any good resources? Like, where would you want to send people if they want to just, like, learn how to do Unity? And what was the other one you mentioned? Unreal Engine. Unreal. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I mean, they've got programs. I think both game engines have different programs for learning. There's lots of tutorials on the internet as well. Yeah, it really depends on, on, on kind of where you want to build. There are also other platforms like Core. We do a lot of stuff with Core. Core, if you want to build something more developed, you probably want to work with a third party developer. Like that's what we did for NASDAQ when we rang the bell, both in the physical space and in the the metaverse. I mean, we did it live on TV, which is crazy, but we built it in core.
0: Was this when you were at NFT NYC or was this something? Yeah,
1: like- this was kind of an unofficial kickoff. <laughs> it was right before, right before NFT NYC. That
0: was core spelled C-O-R-E. C-O-R-E.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a- it's
0: such a common word. Should they put another word after it if they're doing a search for this? Is it like core metaverse?
1: Manticore Games. <laughs> Manticore Games. Manticore Games. Yeah. Core is owned by Manticore Games. Okay, cool. But yeah, you can have a third party developer if you're looking to build something. More, but if you you don't have the skills, there's drag and drop options as well.
0: Kathy, we've just scratched the surface of your insights, but where do you want to send people if they want to discover more about you?
1: Yeah. So if they want to learn more about Journey, they can go to journey.world and you can find us there. You can learn more about what we're doing. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm Kathy Hackle, H-A-C-K-L, you know, all across social. Feel free to reach out and yeah, you know, just, uh. I'm everywhere. you know. Go find the book, metaversebook.com.
0: Thank you, Kathy, so much for coming on and answering all my questions. We're better because of it. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Mike.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C29. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. We've got some great content coming your way. And would you let your friends know about this show, please? We would love to get a lot more people listening to this show. I am at Stelsner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash getupdates.